Um, I'm heading off to Sydney tomorrow. Aww. Yeah, I'm going to go see Puk Puk and give her some loves Aww. and do all that kind of stuff and meet up with a couple of friends while I'm there. Maybe get a Bankstown's finest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah. You, you and I are the same. I did that recently for my girlfriend too. I went back to Sydney just you for did. the weekend. I didn't even know. Like you can't even tell. You don't post um, when you're going somewhere. Nah. And do you know what? I actually didn't post that much while I was away either just because – I really just enjoyed being in her company. She's yeah. got three little babies. Yeah. She needed someone to fill a cup. Yeah. You know? And you were there to do it. Yeah. And that's what you're doing for Puk Puk yeah, this weekend. Puk pretty Puk much. Puk, she needs a cup filled. Uh, um, she needs her cup filled and I need my plate filled. Yeah. With some, some fucking really, really good, good Filipino food. food. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, is one thing I miss about Sydney, man. The options here in the Gold Coast are no shade. No, um, big shade. Big shade. <sighs> it sucks up here. Even the Asian that I do find, I think I found one half decent Indian place. The kebabs are rubbish. Oh, aye. No. I mean, they're no What's Up Brothers or TC, TNC mm, Brothers. Mm, they're mm, none. Mm. Oh, we, did, we did have some good Lebo food the other day where oh, we had a meeting. Yeah. That wasn't too bad. We got a mixed plate and that was quite flavoursome. And you know what? I'm going to go and like, I'm going to go head out that way. going to go to the pictures, the cinemas, because in New Zealand we call it the pictures. The um, But I'm going to go to the cinemas and watch Cocaine Bear. <laughs> oh my God, I just saw the shorts for that. That looks I hilarious. Know. The, the bear that does like a brick of coke. Yeah, because they... I think the beer found the drop place or a drop Fucking zone hilarious. for Coke. And yeah, I, I just want to watch it for the dumb ass story that it's probably going to have with it mm. and just how that beer processed all that Coke. A kilo of cocaine. <laughs> Easy. Amazing. Well, you've got your birthday coming up. I do. What are you going to do for it? Just have a chill barbecue. Yeah. You're away. Yeah. Um, I did invite you. You did. You're gone. And I declined. I was but like, that's fine. I don't want to be there. Rude. I've definitely decided to go somewhere because your birthday is there. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. No, I'm keeping it low key. Gone are the days where I party hard anymore. Yeah, that's true. Not that I don't enjoy it. Like every once in a while, it's great to go out and shake my tush and get Ooh. litty. But I just, I don't have the three days to recover. Yeah. For starters. I don't Five have, days. Yeah. I don't have time for that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I've hit a point where it just doesn't interest me. Um, I'm I've got big health goals this year so i find that that shit will just sidetrack me and because it does take me so long to recover it's like what what comes from one night derails a whole week for me but i i think i'm going to leave it for the episode that me and the girls and you are on so sondrine and puk puk are on to tell you the story about um wine and sondrine's night out Good God. That girl's been partying too lately. Oh, yes. Which means her story's been changed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But look, let's not not waste any time, hey? No, let's go. Because that's part of our goal this year is being succinct and to the point. Yep. So let's get stuck into it because today's episode is a big one. We mentioned in episode one that um, you've got a lot you need to get off your chest. Yes. You're carrying around the weight of a lot of your childhood trauma and part of what we're learning on this journey is that the more we talk about it, the more we get it off our chest and we give it to the universe to carry, 
the less we have to wear it. Doesn't yep. mean that by talking about it, it just disappears. Yep. Because that isn't the case. We know that. But one thing we are learning is that the conversation helps. I think we'll just dive right into it. Um, I'm going to start by giving everyone a little bit of a warning. Yep. This is a really heavy episode. We're going to talk about sexual assaults, um, particularly that of children, yep. because that is the case in, in your story. Yeah, it is. Um, it's probably something a lot of people don't like to talk about. It is quite triggering. It is quite shocking. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is it happens. And it happens a lot more than I think any of us realise. Yeah. We were, t- were t- chatting before and we did touch in the first episode that you'd done a lot of research into how common this is. And the statistics um, in Australia and all over the world are out, of, are out of this world. Massive. That it is insane. Um, as mothers for us, mm-hmm. this is really triggering. Um, as children who have both been through it. Yep. To varying degrees, this is very triggering. So if anyone um, is listening to this episode, just be mindful in your choice to continue to listen. We obviously only want this to be helpful to people. So if it's something that maybe you think is a bit much for you, by no means feel obliged to listen. Um, But, you know, we we did say this was therapeutic for you, Kel, to get it off your chest. But we also do hope that it resonates with our listeners and that, you know, it may give someone else a strength to talk about it um, and maybe deal with something that's happened to them too. Absolutely. So on that note, I suppose there's a few stages to Kel's story. Yeah. Because um, it wasn't just a one-off incident. Unfortunately, it it was a repeated behaviour yep. in Kel's life and it was perpetuated by people repeatedly yep. um, and enabled by, by certain people too. So, I mean... I know for you it started really young. Really started young. when you were four. Yeah. Um, we've discussed as well that through your first instance and experience with sexual assault as a child, because you were so little, a lot of it's repressed for you. Yes. Tell us what you do remember of the circumstances around it. So I do remember being lifted out of my bed and carried uh, through our hallway, which was a long hallway. And... And I do remember looking up and going, I can't see anyone. There's Mm. no one there, but I can feel them holding me. And they're walking me through. I'm not saying anything because I'm I'm like, you're in that stage of confusion, but you're also like, I know this is definitely happening, but I'm kind of too scared to say anything. And you're half asleep. Yeah. You've been working from your slumber. A hundred. And um, so what happened is my body floated through the air. So this is how I remember it. My body floated through the air and when it got through the hallway and my body just kind of went out that door and up to aliens or angels. But I do remember my body feeling like it was floating. So obviously that was my coping mechanism was to create this um, fantasy and this narrative that obviously probably didn't happen. Well, given that now aliens are here, (laughs) (laughs) it might have, it might have. But I guess, again, that's that safe space for – this is that spiritual part. I had something spiritual happen to me so that I could get through this very traumatic thing that was about to happen to me. Um, I won't go into the um, the the um, nitty gritty the nitty gritty because I don't really remember what the nitty gritty is. What I do remember is waking up in the morning, and I was naked from here down. Yeah, and um, on yeah, and do and there you was, remember who you were with? 
I absolutely do now. This person, the perpetrator, was there at that time. Mm -hmm. So it made sense that it was him that also had done it to me the second time. Well, no, I know he did it the second time. That time I didn't repress it. But um, I do remember getting up and walking away and feeling very sore down there. and then, But just hiding it, like not even really telling my mum. Well, I mean, at the age of four... You you don't have an understanding of your body, period. No. At the age of four, you don't know about those things. I look at those photos and I'm like, that shit. Mm. Do you disconnect from who she was at all? Like do you no. look at it and and feel a disconnect because of what happened? No. No, not at all. I still feel that that four-year-old at that age. My, I think um, when it came to the repression of that memory, I, I'm – what you would call those people that can remember back to the nitty gritty of when I was, you know, young, as opposed to having memories from yesterday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I can remember my phone number from that house that I was born in. Like, yeah, right now I could tell you everything about that house and what happened in it. I can tell you things, photos that were taken and who was behind those photos, very in-depth Details and details from that time. And I don't know if that's because of the trauma, Mm. because I was forced into memorizing the stuff. Maybe it was that part of that spiritual place that was you're going to remember this. So at some point, you're going to be able to tell that story. Yeah. But the actual action of it, I'm glad I don't fucking remember that. Yeah. The thing about it happening then is it only happened once, but I had numerous of so probably between the age of four to nine I think this this person would come in and out of our house he was a friend of the family yeah. a very close friend of the family friends of your my mom parents, or your dad my parents both of them um and he was from the church so very heavily steeped in the Christian church and the Christian way um he would do a lot of things like touchy things, but he was very, very strict. So he, his character was based around what we would, we were brought up with. So we were brought up with a strict, very strict father, mm-hmm. and mum was a little bit more easygoing. Mum was really loving, you know. Would always we were about was about her kids, um, but this this guy, he was a single man who had gone in and out of relationships with women because, from what I remember, my mum saying. And she could never understand how come he couldn't keep this beautiful ass woman who was so good for him. And now I know why, because he was never sexually aroused by them. Right. Um, so between that age of it happened once, he we would drive around in the car with him. I would notice things that were happening underneath me when we were driving around the car. Mm-hmm. I would notice his hands would go in certain spots of me. And it did, even at a young age, I was like... <laughs> that's weird, why are you doing that? But what I didn't realise at the time is that he didn't have any more sexual intercourse with me because he had groomed another victim to do that. Which is what came out years later that yes. triggered these memories for you, right? Yes. Well, not no, there was even heavier shit that came out. Um, that I had already known um, after the second incident because it came out then. Right. Um, but So that second incident happened... Around about when you were nine. Yeah, around about that, yeah. And so without obviously we're going to avoid the details right. of of the trauma yeah. specifically, but the circumstances around that, this person in and out of your family's life, 
we've got a perception of, of who he was in the community. Mm. What, what happened when you were nine? What happened is the victim that he already had had left home. Mm-hmm. So he had no access to her for sexual favours for him or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so he needed to find another victim and he'd already used me. So he came into my room one night and things happened. Assaulted you. He assaulted me. So he was at the house staying. He used to regularly stay in, at the house and, you know, as I said, things. a lot of things would happen where we're away from you know, supervision mm-hmm. of him, obviously because he was trusted. Mm-hmm. But it happened late at night um, when everyone was asleep. He came into my room. He did his thing. Um, I was fully aware of what he was doing. I didn't stop him. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like nothing would come out of my my. It just my throat just would not well, that's release. A, that's a fight or flight mode response. Absolutely, and it probably I think. And I'd explain this on IG. I think when it didn't come out, it was because I didn't want to reciprocate in what he was doing and give him a feeling like, oh, she's communicating. Now I get to communicate with her. Almost like I talk about that fight or flight mode because that's exactly what it is. It's fight or flight. And your body will naturally shut down in an instance like that mm-hmm. in the hopes that, that predator or that perpetrator or it's almost like an animalistic instinct. Yeah. If I'm being attacked and I'm already dead, this animal is going to leave me alone. Yeah. There's no kill for them. Yeah. It's, it's the same in that situation. Your body shuts down, it stops communicating, it stops interacting in the hopes that whatever predator or prey situation is happening, yeah. it'll stop if there's no engagement, there's yeah. no interest. You're you're essentially you're playing dead. Yeah. And and that was what it was. I I was playing dead. Yeah. But I was also very consciously aware that I was – I had my sister, my little sister next in the the bed next to me. And I was consciously aware that I had to keep my vision on her mm-hmm. because what if I'm not the only victim tonight? Mm-hmm. Because if he had gone just to let her – him, Just let him do his thing. Just let him do his thing to and me. And then he'll leave her alone. And he'll leave her alone because it's only me that he, he's paying attention to at the moment. Mm-hmm. If it had gone the other way, it probably would have been a different thing. You may have said something. Yeah, because that that is naturally who I am. Very protective. I'm very protective of people, of myself probably not, but um, I'm more protective of uh, the people that I love Yeah, and that I care for and Definitely. I don't want that happening to them. So I'll take that shit, which kind of comes into who I am in life as it is. Definitely. So, yeah, that, that happened. And I had been brought up in a family that my dad had taught us all. No one is allowed to touch you. Mm-hmm. No one is allowed to touch you. No one. And and, and it's like not mum, not dad, not aunties, not uncles. We weren't even allowed to stay in the same bedroom as my cousins. That's how much that my dad was strict on um, ensuring that his kids were not being sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. Yet here we were yeah, being sexually assaulted right under his nose. So... The perpetrator comes in, does his act, your body shuts down and and you don't say anything. He leaves? Is that what happens next? It gets he, up, he, it goes back to his bed. Okay. Next morning, where, he, are, you, where are, next, you are you Next morning he's gone, dad's gone to work. He's gone. Obviously he's gone to work too or wherever the fuck he had to go. I've got up, I've walked into my mum's room and I said to her, he touched me, he raped me. Yeah, that was pretty much it. And she just cried as a mother would. Mm. I'm going to ring your father. 
And I didn't want her to because my dad was someone to fear. Yeah. And it's. Do you think you feared your father's reaction to you or what your father would do to this man? I couldn't give a fuck what he did to that man. I feared you were what about I what your was going to get from you. him. Not what he thought of me, what, I, what how he was going to react to it. Because I know what my dad's like. Mm. It's almost like to deal with an issue, you need to get angry with the person that just to kind of get it out. Yeah. And your kids are the easiest person to get angry at. Yeah. You know, when you've when you've been again, another issue, when you've been brought up around abuse, the abuse actually knows what's coming. Yeah. From that person because we've been built up around it. Mm-hmm. We're built to um, defend ourselves around it. So we, I knew what was coming, but I also knew what he had did, and because I was consciously aware of what he did, I knew it was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I knew that w- I had to go and tell, right? So um, mum told dad, he's come home from work and he did exactly what I thought he would do. I was out on the porch. We were living at that time. He, out the front, fucking everyone could see. Like it's it's not, it wasn't even like take me into a place where I felt safe. As soon as he got up those porches, he went into my face and he said to me, what the fuck did he do to you? And when someone's like that, that I'm like, fuck, you're going to beat the shit out of me. Mm. And I brought it back from what it was. I said, oh, he kissed me and he touched me here. When in actual fact, no, he raped me. Mm-hmm. But because. because you, think, you think his reaction instilled fear in you. Yeah. To, to subdue the storyline. Yeah, I had to because I felt as though if I told him the full truth, his anger would then just be projected out to me because he was known for that mm-hmm. um but my mom was like tell him the truth tell him the truth like tell him everything i was like like no because he was sitting there in my face pointing to me like i was the person that did it and he said you better not be fucking lying to me and from that i was like why would i tell you mm. something like this why would i fucking why would i put myself in this situation that i already knew i was going to be put into to the, then lie to you, knowing that if I fucking lied to you, I was going to get the biggest fucking hiding of my life, probably almost be dead, mm. and no one was going to do nothing about it. So from that, hold on, I'm just going to click myself. So from that, um, dad had to obviously process his feelings because he was feeling a type of way. Um, and my dad's an investigative kind of person, so he went and asked people that were around at the time, and obviously this person. So we're going to fast forward a little bit, probably a week. Mm-hmm. And I had my, you got to remember my dad was very heavy on Christian shit. My dad was very strict in the way, in his beliefs, and you had to believe what he believed. So my dad would like, um, do as I say, not as I do. Mm-mm. Kind of, even when it came to Christianity. I feel like that's Christians everywhere. All around, all around, you know. And which is fuck whatever. That's another. <laughs> that's, that's another, another chat. Thing. That is another chat. Um, so yeah, Dad was very much about um, you know do as I say, not as I do. And Mum had taken care of me, you know, nurtured you, nurtured me in and that time. Ensured you were okay. Ensured we're okay. But no one rang the cops. No one did any. Anyone of that. take you to a doctor? Nope. No, no one. Mm-hmm. I don't think at that stage I would have wanted anyone to be um, 
up in that space. Up in that space anyway. and But more from a medical standpoint to no ensure one. that, you know, you hadn't torn or you weren't bleeding internally or in like, do you know what I mean? From a medical standpoint, I get that you as a nine-year-old don't want to revisit that. But no, yeah. For, no. A, for a medical safety. No, because I feel as though they thought it was a lie. And I wasn't known for being a liar. That's what, again, it was something that I was like, I wasn't known for being a liar. So I don't understand why none of that was done. Right, so no one took me to – no one went to the cops. There was no medical – there was nothing. Mm-hmm. So there was no upkeep of my body or my mental yeah. capacity. You just had your mum's affection. That's right, her mum's affection because, again, she was an abused woman. She was controlled and um, as much as she fought, fought the fight, she she didn't win the war. She was still in a relationship with your dad at this point though um, and with that Christian mental background, I'm sure she was very much of the abiding wife – my husband has to handle this. I can't do anything about Weirdly, it. I mean, she, she was already a suppressed sits, woman, right? Like she was a suppressed woman that still had words, yeah, a lot of words. Like, but yeah, you're right. You're right. There was a certain part of her that was still scared of my father and still loved my father at the same time. Another story. Yeah. Um, but no one, no one, no one did anything. Um, the only person that gave me in a, in a male form that gave me any sense of safety was my grandfather. Because it was my grandfather that was like, I'll kill him, you know. So like, at this point, though, who knows what's uh, happened? Obviously now I your, your granddad knows. Someone's okay, told him. Okay, so I – my little sister known because apparently she got asked a couple of questions. He knew, mum, dad, my grandfather, and then my older sister. My brother actually was never told. My mm. brother didn't know anything until we got older. Mm. He had no idea what had gone on in that house in terms – the abuse from our father, different. Yeah, everyone saw Everyone's that. aware of everyone that. Everyone saw every, that and received it. Well, everyone received – yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, but this, my brother had no idea, wow. you know, because, again, we go into quiet mode. Um, so, yeah, no, my – I remember coming – going to school as normal and actually we'd had a – no, I'm not going to go off on that. I'd come home from school and I'd walked into my house – and I remember the first thing I fucking saw walking through my hallway. It's always during the fucking hallway is that motherfucker. He's in your house. He's in my house. What's and the circumstances of him being there? Fuck knows. He's, I don't. It's not there to resolve the issue to it talk is, about it? It is because I'll, I'll get into that because it's shocking. So I've he's in my house. It's like he knew what time I was going to get home from school. Because who else is home? Dad's home. Okay, but yeah, this scrawny piece of fucking shit was the person that could fucking completely go under the radar with my dad. But I walked into the house and he is there at the end of the hallway holding a Cadbury chocolate. You know the ones that are that size, mm-hmm. Cadbury chocolate. And he goes, "Here you go, Kelly. This is for you." And this is the first time that I was like. I don't want your fucking chocolate, even though my dad was behind him. And I knew my dad would have just jumped and just gone bang, you know. I didn't care. To you. To me. Not to him. For being me. Dis- for being disrespectful but he in didn't. his eyes. He didn't. He I don't want your fucking chocolate. What are you doing here? Because even then I knew there's no fucking sense of why this man should be here. Mm-hmm. And then my dad pulled me away, which I thought, okay, I'm going to get a hiding now. And he and – he, he got down on his knees and he says, you know, hun, we have to forgive. <laughs> like, oh. What? Wait, I'm what? I'm sorry. Hold the phone. Yep, yep, yep. Hold Here we go. Hold the fucking 
phone. Yeah. Okay. Give me that vape, man. Um, yeah. I will never forgive him for what he did to me. He, he said, but it's da-da-da-da-da and fucking some verse of whatever fucking shit. I paid no attention because in my head, this can't be real. This can't be fucking going are on. Are you having like, I don't know if at nine you can... But are you at this point having like an out-of-body experience where you like float to the ceiling and you're seeing this conversation that your father's having with you about forgiving this predator? Yeah. And quoting a Bible verse yeah. to you and you're like, is this shit real? real. Yeah, I did. I, I It was exactly like I was looking at him through adult eyes going – are you fucking fuck off your and I and I said and like you you never fucking speak back to my dad and that was the first time I ever did. I'm not doing that. I'm not forgiving him for what he did to me. And then yeah, no, I was it was fucked. And I never understood it. For some time after that all happened, I thought my dad brought him back, and this is the honest truth, to have him killed. To find out that he didn't. And the reason why he didn't is through his investigations, someone had said, I lied. It never happened. They didn't see it, even though it was like at one o'clock in the morning. And my dad took that as the truth because he didn't want to believe it. Yeah. The only in, reason, in his own denial. He was in his own denial. This person wouldn't do this under my nose. That, 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 no one would fuck with me like that. My dad's need to be... Like, no one would fucking do that to anyone in my fam family under my fucking nose. In my care, no one would have the balls. The ego. It's almost like his disbelief that is what he believed. He had to believe in that because if that wasn't the case, then the fucking whole thing falls on his shoulders, right? Yep. It happened, so it happened under his watch. It happened under the very person had who had taught us all you don't no one is to do this and if they do do this you tell and yet it's happened and you told and i told and he did nothing about it and he did nothing and he utilized the one person that wasn't even awake to go that never happened it's a lie and believe that because it suited his narrative too and it suited his ego too mm. <laughs> fast forward another week guess what they get the second victim coming out to say it's true he did do that and the reason why she knew it to be the truth is because he had been doing it to her ever since she was the same age to whenever she left so, so how do your how do your parents process that information okay it's now a proven pattern of behavior for this person yeah my daughter wasn't lying mum got on the blower um, apparently by that stage he was down the line, um, got on the blower to her parents who were in a church down there that he was going to, were coming after him. It wasn't to save his Still no ass. one calls the cops at no this one, point? Well, they could have because, like, my dad was very connected on both sides of the fucking coin. Um, I don't know. We haven't seen him since, so I, I really don't care. I'm not calling out one or the other. We, he's not alive. I don't know where the fuck he's been in the last few years. We've tried to look for him. Right. He could be hiding out there, but he won't be too long because, you know, at some point the universe is going to pop him out of that ground. Or he's already dead. Or he's already dead, you know. Uh, but then at the end of the day, no one did anything. No one went to the cops, even about her. 
and her shit. And I get it. We're the victims and we get to choose that. But I would have been happily, happily. And you know why even that at that age? I'm like, but if we let him go, there's going to be more victims if there's no, if there isn't already. Mm. Like even then I knew we need to get him. And even if we do, at least let me kick him in the head. Yeah. Mum told me and said, this is what happened. I'm so sorry. And later on in life when I put that shit, or took it off my shoulder because I didn't blame anyone. Mm. I never held this shit against anyone. Not even my father who should have had this placed all on him. Mm-hmm. For years, I blamed no one but the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. But when I got older and when I realised all the shit that I didn't know that had happened, I was like, like even the other victim was so fucking, was so upset that she didn't say anything. Mm. So it would never happen to me. But I was like, you know what? If it wasn't for you, it would have happened for me from the age of four through. Yeah. So you took the brunt of it because yeah. you were strong enough to be able to take she the brunt of it. She did what you were trying to do for your sisters. Yeah. And I said, I took what I needed because I needed to speak up because that was my job when it was meant to be done. Where the parent's job was, was to call the cops, whether that guy got put into jail or not, for five fucking months, because we all know that those sentences are shit. Mm. Whether they got put into jail or not, it didn't mean anything. It just meant, what was your actions? Yeah. What did you do to protect us? Yeah. You thought you did enough. You didn't. So I had my mum up when I was having a fucking breakdown. And I just looked at my mum and I just went, I hadn't talked to her for a while. Like she lived with me and I hadn't talked to her. I was very disconnected and I didn't know why. Obviously I was going through the twin flame thing. I was going through the healing process. I was going through the relationship breakup. I'd gone through all these things and um, no, my mum didn't even know I'd broken up with Greg. Yeah. And no idea. But again, we're not sharers. We don't share those things. We we sat with each other and he knew about all this. So did my ex and everything like that. They were fully aware of this stuff. Um, and I just remember walking in one day from work, looking at my mum in disgust. And I was like, oh, this is fucking shit. You don't even give a fuck. I said, you've changed so much. And then it just went into this full-blown fucking full-on argument with each other. And my mum doing stuff that she does you know making it about her mm-hmm. and how hard her life was and I was just like at breaking point um yeah so she once she calmed down I said I just need you to take it off my shoulders I want you to take it and I want dad to take it I don't want it anymore mm. that's all I want I don't sh- basically you needed them to do what they should have done when you were nine yeah just take it it's not mine I've never held you guys accountable for it. Now I am. It's yours to take and I want you to take it. And my mum goes, yes, I will. I'm sorry. We didn't do what we should have done as parents. We didn't even follow it up Mm. with anything because it was easier just to sweep that shit under the carpet. Not that guy, but just sweep it. The fact that he was able to do what he was able to do. Yeah, and and a, and I guess the fact as well that they never revisited it with you. Never. You know, we discussed that they didn't call the cops and they didn't call a doctor for you. How do you then just go on with your life ignoring that that's happened, even after they had the evidence and the proof that it was true, to not get you help, to not get you therapy, to not – and 
I mean, from the age of nine to in twenty twenty one, you were forty. Yeah, right. That is, it makes sense that. Oh, twenty twenty one. Hold on. Yeah, you turned forty. Did I? Fuck, I did too. <laughs> so, like in that period, forty is a really, it's a really big age and a turning point in someone's life, right? And I find that those milestones is usually when this shit comes out. Yeah. Because you hit an age, you go through a change where this shit gets dredged up and you have to deal with it. So it makes sense that at that point in your life it comes back out. But between 9 and 40, no one helped you process what had happened at that age. No one at all. And even I didn't because I was just like – Well, how are you supposed to do that on your own? You couldn't do that at the age of 9. And typically when horrific traumatic instances like this happen at a young age – a certain part of your brain stops maturing. Yeah. It stays in that age. Yeah. So for you at that trauma, it stayed with you as a nine-year-old. You didn't get to grow and develop from that until you hit a point where you were like, someone's got to fucking take it. Yeah. And I did. I did. And my mum, you know, thankfully she she finally listened where – my hurt was coming from. She rang my father. I told her not to because I, I didn't want to deal. Because what the bit of it I didn't want to deal with is, is that he didn't get him killed. Mm. He didn't have him fucking tossed in the fucking shark tank or anything. Because that 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 took that narrative away that I had built up that safe space that dad had done that. Mm. I didn't know about all the other stuff that they had done in the background until later on. Um, but I said to my mum, I just didn't want to know that dad didn't do anything. Yeah. Like he didn't do anything to ensure this didn't happen again. Because he's because of the fear he'd placed in us from a young age through who he was. Mm. Um, but in saying that. He'd, he'd created a reputation for himself, of for the his protector. family. Yeah. But when it came to following through on that. Yeah. So we're not we're not condoning... I'm not condoning violence. Neither um, am I. Like from I, the p- I believe in justice. Yeah. Right? And I do think that obviously this is another subject for another day. The laws do not match the crime. No. Like the, pe- the punishment doesn't match the crime. But for you having that perception of your dad and knowing he didn't do what his reputation would claim he would have done for you would really invalidate your value. Absolutely. To him as a daughter. Yep. Yep, and that was that point of if I find found out that he was like what I did eventually find out, I was like, do I continue still being his daughter in this world, mm. or do I go fuck you, fuck you too? Yeah, um, I chose not to. I because and only because my mum rang him, and she said our daughter wants us to take this, and that means that if she goes public with this. We are going to look exactly how we should look in this situation and that is bad. Yeah. And we have to deal with that. And it's only because dad went, yes, I agree. My problem with my dad when we've had conversations is because I have this memory that goes back to eons, probably to other lives as well, because I can remember everything. He can't get away with anything. Mm -hmm. So dad's memory suppresses a lot of what he thought we were as children 
and a lot of the moments that happened within our childhood he can't remember. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times he would say to us, I don't remember. And I'm that's sorry hard for that, you then to hold someone accountable yeah. for the things that shaped you. And it's weird. For the milestones that shaped you when they have no recollection of it and then they feel like they can't apologise for something. If they don't remember it happened, it didn't happen. Well, he apologises for it because he knows it did happen and he was aware of it, but he doesn't remember his actions in it. Mm. So he doesn't remember intricate details that I do remember, which is that you made me forgive him. And did I? Yeah, and that's, that's a pivotal and, point. And that's not because he like he's trying to get away with it. Because dad's dad's very fucking blunt and honest, but he just he just you can look him in his eyes and go yes, and he goes I don't remember doing that. Like he would hit me with a closed fist, knock me out mm. for a fucking couple of seconds, and then get you up, and then be like, Dad loves you. Um, I just want you to know that dad loves you and, you know, I'm sorry that I reacted that way, but you shouldn't have done what you did. And it could have been that I just, I said, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he yeah. caught me out. You know what I mean? Or it could have been that the dishes weren't done or um, the bedroom wasn't clean on time when he wanted it to be. You know, yeah. it was just shit like that. But because he has no recollection and no memory of his abuse, of how he handed out his abuse. It is hard to hold. So it's, it's almost like, uh, like I'm not even going to sit here. What's the point? What's the point? What's the point? What's if the you point? don't because remember it, I'm holding on to something you've got no recollection of. Yeah. Your apology, while it's appreciated to an extent, it loses its meaning. Yeah, because it's just a calculated a thing. It's Correct. Just like, it's, it's, a, it's a a process. It's a process. For him. Yeah. I think – Turning this in a in a slightly different direction. Yeah. Um, with what has happened to you. Yeah. And you and I have talked about what happened to me. Yeah. We now, I think, feel a greater responsibility to our own children. Uh, which it's it explains about why I'm very much about my sons not being the perpetrator, being that they're male, but also knowing their boundaries and what's not okay to do to somebody. Yeah. Um, I mean, we are mothers of sons. Not Neither of us have daughters. No. And we typically do look at it from the perspective of making sure that we raise good men. Yeah. To understand boundaries, to understand consent, um, especially with two of ours starting their teenage years. Yeah. But I think it also comes down as well to, a, to an area of protection. Yeah. For our kids, you know. Um, the responsibility that we take as parents that our parents didn't, didn't have, have. Yeah. Changing the narrative for our kids. Obviously, to our knowledge, our children haven't been in that situation. Yeah. And I, we don't ever wish that upon them. No. We're also conscious of not putting them in a situation. That's right. Where they can be exposed to that. Um, and knowing in ourselves as parents that if that ever happens to our kids, what our course of action is going to be yeah. com in comparison to what our parents did. Yeah. Like I, talk, I speak to our neighbours who my sons go in and out of their house mm -hmm. and I've said they're not allowed in rooms. Your sons are not allowed in our rooms here. Yeah. You know, um, I'm happy for them to play where everyone is around so we're fully aware. Um, I said I have a sexual assault background so therefore I'm, I'm you know, more prone to be 
conscious of it. Conscious of it, but, uh, but I said, but I do understand that kids got to be kids and they we have to have a place where we hope that we can we can trust that people are like me and they understand that. Yeah. You know. And also arming our children with the right language to be able to articulate what they will and not do. Yep. To stand up for themselves. Absolutely. And to, if anything ever makes them feel uncomfortable or they're uncertain even. They can have if a they're conversation. they're not sure, I don't know if this was wrong or I don't know. know if, you know, I should have been in that situation but that they have the confidence to come and talk to us about it and well, ask us the questions. I've already had that moment where Tyson has said that uh, a gentleman walked past him um, and felt his bum and I, that, that was something that I had to sit down and go, okay, Stop yourself, Cal. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because I was going to go kill this guy. It was because I needed to, for him to understand, was it an accidental brush by and that was a result of it because I've done that accidentally to people too. And I went, or did he grope and grab? Yeah. And he goes, no, he just brushed by. And I said, okay, son, in that instance, I would call that as something that's accidental because it was a brush by. He didn't stay near you and didn't grab your private parts, it was your bum, and it wasn't something where he's gone in on it. So I got into the nitty-gritty. I said, how does that make you feel? Mm. He goes, yeah, I can see it. And I said, but I don't want you to feel invalidated yeah. with what it, what you feel. And I said, and he goes, no, come to think of it, I think it was just the – I think as well creating that dialogue. Yeah. That's what I meant by teaching them the right language to be able to articulate yeah. what's happened. Like the fact that he has the conversation with you about it anyway, that he's questioning it to educate himself on what he's comfortable with and what he finds appropriate yeah. versus what's happening in the real world is so important for us to do with our children. Yeah. And we've, we've super like on that because like even with the boys growing up and stuff, I don't, I wouldn't even, I won't shower with them mm. um, as babies. Yeah, sure. Uh, but when it came to, you know, stuff for the boys, that's Craig's journey <laughs> with them. Yeah. And I had to ask certain things that were happening. Like my little one would jump on a tramp and then pull his pants down and show everyone his thing. And, and then I was hearing that the other boys do it. And I said to Craig, is that fucking normal? Mm. Because then am I, I going to have a conversation? You kids can't be fucking doing this shit. And well, I, I don't think they should be anyway, but I said, did you got, did you do that? And he's like, yeah. Yeah. Understanding that age appropriate sexualized behavior. Yeah. And, and, and that again, playing into it, it's like even on internet fucking catching, I, I walk in and I'm like hearing shit and I'm like, what the fuck is that? And I'm like, what the fuck are you listening to? Mm. Try I'll overreact. Like, I'm like, you can't fucking watch that shit. And then remember I'm being like that. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't fucking do that. And then they go and sneak off. So how do I fucking real this? happy medium. Yeah, where's the happy medium for, for our kids when it comes to shit? They have access to everything. Even when you try to do the kids lock on whatever. Nah, bro, shit gets through. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that for me has been a process, especially because I'm dealing with boys. Um, I think that also played into me not ever wanting a girl mm -hmm. because I didn't want her to go through what I went through. And I think I didn't want someone to mirror my life or unintentionally mirror that as well. So um, that did come out when my, my big, when Tyson, we thought Tyson was a girl. Mm -hmm. I was so fearful of having a girl that it was almost like I manifested him to turn into a boy. <laughs> Where we did, we found out like when he was eight months that he wasn't a girl at all. Like we'd been told at the beginning that he was a boy and you should have seen the fucking like the relief. Like the relief. I got to find out he was not a girl mm. was just like, thank God. 
Like, thank fuck mm. I'm having a boy. And then, but Craig obviously processed that very differently because he felt like he lost someone. Yeah. Even though he didn't, it was just the gender of that child. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah, Tyson was meant to be Talia. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Because, you know, I had the same with AJ. Did you? Yeah, I got really? told he was a girl and then I was in that car accident when I was about eight months pregnant. Wow. And I had another ultrasound and they were like, it was a boy. And I resonate with Craig as I felt like I had to mourn the loss of the daughter I had fabricated in my brain. Yeah. So I get that. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. So that happened with, with, and it was just like that turning point. I said to Craig, I'm so sorry that, you know, for you, you lost a girl. For me, I gained not having to have that worry. Then you have your nieces and you're like, oh God. Oh gosh. Fuck, yeah. here we go with yous now. You know, and my whole entire family, we are all on that same page when it comes to our kids and each other and, mm. um, you know, when you do come into my family, you're, you're watched. Yeah. You know, everyone is watched until there's that comfortability with that person. But we've trained all our children up to be very fucking boisterous very, when it comes and to... Vigilant. And vigilant. And vigilant themselves. Vigilant about their surroundings. And, and their, of each other. How, how do you feel getting the bulk of that off your chest? Fuck, I didn't think I was going to cry as much as I did. It's very cathartic. It really is. It is because this is it. Once I put this out, edit this down, put it out to the... Out into the ethers, that's it. My whole, not that I ever really hit it, but who I am, part of who I am, it extends out to how my peop- how people look at my family. Mm. I, I, I'm going to say it now, like I still love my parents and they did an amazing job in other things. Like we were always well taken care of in terms of never had to um, want for anything or need for anything. We had everything like that. The childhood was really good. There are other people going through it and had parents that didn't provide for them yeah. in the way that mine did. Um, but they're full, fully aware that they could have done way better than they did. Um, and I'm not holding that against them. I, I generally will not hold anything against anyone for far too long, you know, moving forward, that this is not about going the blame. It is you. This really does fall on him. Yeah. And I think as well for you, <sighs> part of your healing process is forgiveness Yeah, to those that you're willing to forgive. Correct. And that in this case is your parents. Is my parents. Yes, they could have done better. Yes, there are things that they should have done differently, but they're not the perpetrator in this situation. No, no. And at the time, you know, Anthony touched on it too with his family. At the time, he can see that they did the best that they felt they could do. Yeah. You can't hold someone to a standard that they didn't know existed then. And you have made peace with the fact yep. that the way they handled it has come and gone. Yes. You don't have to forgive him. No. But for your own healing, there is things that you need to let go. And giving, getting that off your chest, calling them out on it yep. and giving them the opportunity to own it as an adult yep. in some way will allow you to make peace with it. It will. And it, uh, I think, yeah, it does, it has. Like even just from that moment to this moment now, that that wave of like anxiety that I had leading into it, like I was prepared, I was ready to say it. While I'd spoken about the actual sexual assault itself, it wasn't that, it was the aftermath of mm. the sexual assault of um, of what happened. I'm, I've already forgiven 
given that, but obviously when you're narrating the story or what happened, you know, those emotions do come back up. I'm not holding it against anyone but the perpetrator. But the feelings are still there. The feelings are still there. They're probably never going to ever dissipate. But like I'd seen on someone that had done something about grief, like that black spot in my life, it never goes away. Mm -hmm. But I start building all these positive things around it that makes me more whole as opposed to that little black spot that was there. So that's the way I see it now. That was essentially how, you know, coming back to meeting the people I met going through what I went through in previous relationships and, the um, and you know, having the co-parenting, per- the person that I co-parent with now, um, having their twin flame journey, mm. all of that, meeting people who had gone through it the same as I did, helping people to get through their emotions and, and knowing that, you know, we all can get through this. We all can live with these black spots and build those positive things around them. Yeah. And not have to live in... In that black space anymore. Yeah. And that's all this is. This that's power. There's power 100%. in that for sure. That's power. So this is it. This is me putting out the truth. Um, no haters to my family because I'll fuck you up. I don't <laughs> give a fuck. Like I still will. I'll hold my fucking ground when it comes to my family. I'm allowed to be angry for my yeah. family. And those close to me can be too. Yeah. But yeah, no hate to my family. Like yeah. it is what it is. It was done. And now we're talking about it. And now how do we move on from that? Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing, Kel. All good. That was deep. That was fucking... Jeez, man. I didn't think... I like honest. Honest it with was, you. It was truthful though. It was It was raw. It was everything that we, you know, want this potty to be. Yeah. We're all about honesty here. We're all about being real. There's no shade on that and there's no hiding from it either. So no. we really appreciate you being honest and we hope that... You know, this can resonate a little bit with some people and help people find their inner peace too and start yeah. building those colours around that black and, spot. And I'm, what I will do is I put some hotlines up in here so that you're going to be able to see who you can contact if you want to talk to someone. Um, you know, and if you have been through it, like I'm on Instagram, add yourself on Instagram. Like that's the page that I kind of know and and talk to people through as well. Yeah, um, and there is there is safety in numbers. Absolutely. You're, you're, not, not you're not alone. You're not alone. A hundred percent. Neither are you, miss. We're going to get into your shit later. Yeah, too, we'll do that well. one one day. Please. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Add it to the list. All right. Well, that's it. Thank you, everyone. Um, Thanks, guys. Tune in to the next one. I actually don't even remember what the next one's going to be about, but it's going to be epic and you need to listen. <laughs> the Manaverse. Oh, yeah, we're getting the boys the on. The boys are back on. The yeah. boys are back on and... Uh, the boys are back in town. The those fuckers. And then Sarah's going to take the helm of that because, yeah, she's going to take it a different direction to how I was taking it. Yeah, yeah, we're going to... Because she has control fucking issues. I have control issues. <laughs> no, we really want to get into, I suppose, how men process things different to the way women do. Yeah. I want to dive into more so how... We could take the identical situations for a man and yeah. a woman and see how men process it different to us. I yeah. suppose it's a way for us to understand dudes more because we always want them to understand a woman. Because <laughs> we're well, so emotional. Yeah, but I mean I think they're as complex as, as we are. They come to solutions a lot faster than we do. That's because they l- use their analytical brain yeah, more than we do. Yeah, but I think that there's a lot to be said about how guys can handle situations differently. Fuck yeah. So we'll dive into a bit about that and, and – 
as always, we hit the mental health train and how they take care of themselves that way too. Yep. Looking forward to it. Yeah. All right, everyone. Take care. Peace out.